You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole coming at you from the continental here in Casablanca. It's just so nice here. Uh, Great drinks, mixed drinks are fantastic. And with me, as she is every single week on our first show here for 2023, Christy Morris. Hello. Yes, uh, just call me Sophia. I'm here with my dogs. Oh, you know... You'd think people would learn, don't shoot the dogs. Right? Uh. Like, don't shoot the dog. Exactly. Just don't do it. Um, but nobody in this universe has learned that. So, uh, But we, have, we are back in the John Wick universe as we are eagerly anticipating John Wick 4 that's coming out this year. So we can't wait for that. Uh, but before we do that, and make sure, you know, Christy and I just released as of this recording. Uh, it was actually today. We've got our first Patreon-exclusive episode, The VIP Room. You want to check out The VIP Room, and to do that, you have to be supporting us on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm. Make sure you're supporting us. Be part of our team. Make sure all of these shows keep coming to you in the network, especially The 602 Club, and to make sure that you can be in The VIP Room. Uh, You can also, of course, find us on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM, where we'd love to follow have your follow, interact with you, all those kind of things. You can find us online at trek.fm. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. There's a listeners-only discussion group, and you can talk about everything that's going on here on TFM over on the Babel Conference there on Facebook. Just type that into the search field, and you'll find us. Uh, and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you're subscribed so you get the shows as soon as they drop. And then last but not least... You know, help us out. Uh, give us a star rating review over an Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, those really do help our show continue to grow. We've been going for a very long time now, but, you know, new reviews make all the difference. So keep those coming and we'll read those reviews out. So, Christy, this movie just, I mean, it picks up right where the second movie left off. All of these movies are very interconnected in that way. And one of the things that I was just very much struck by with this second film is the way in which this world of assassins Mm -hmm. uh, is run by rules. In fact, they say many times in this film, they keep quoting to each other the idea that the rules are what separate us from the animals. Mm -hmm. And so I was just really interested in this because those rules lead to because of what happened in the second movie we get winston who runs the continental in new york and the bowery king of course who is the bowery king of new york uh they are subject then to an adjudicator coming in to judge them because they didn't follow the rules um winston you know gives john an hour before 
he reports and has the contract out for him. Uh, the Bowery King gave him uh, a gun with uh, seven bullets in it. And so I was just really struck by this idea that we live in this world here that is run by rules, and yet it's not completely a, a, a world run by rules because certain people are willing to give John grace which I thought was really interesting. So it's just uh, to me this 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 movie seemed to really be about this idea between the ideas of like law and grace and the world of assassins is kind of a a world fully unto itself built on laws but that doesn't seem to be the way in which like people don't live like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're willing to give grace to one another. We see that a few times in the movie where John is, is given grace, which is, is really interesting, especially I think, and most importantly by Winston who, you know, gives him the grace of not having uh, his, his number come out, his contract come out. He gives him an hour you know, um, so I, I just I was really struck by this idea. I, I, it, it was a really interesting movie to to rewatch and just kind of see this play out in this film. Yeah, I was really glad that they went that route specifically as like the overarching main theme of this whole movie, because they do reiterate it so much in the first two films that, you know, they have to operate based on a certain set of agreed upon rules or else everything is just chaos. And I mean, if you think about it in a world of assassins, then there would be no one left alive if there weren't rules. Right. <laughs> exactly. But it is true. Exactly what you're saying. There's also then trust that is sometimes built between people that exceeds the rules. Obviously you have to be able to judge in the moment, whether you can trust them before you make yourself vulnerable. Right. Um, yeah, but at least John was always prepared to watch his back until somebody gave him that grace. But I, I do definitely agree with mm-hmm. what you said that it was interesting. Even um, they added a third person that gave him grace this time with Angelica Houston as the director. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and what's really in, I, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's there's also this uh, interesting conundrum of the fact that it's it's not always completely grace because there are places in which john has earned what he's given right like he has this ticket right that he's earned Mm -hmm. um you know he has this marker with sophia that's something that he did where actually he had given grace right he didn't have to help sophia Mm -hmm. but he did right and you know what what I was really kind of struck by is that you know they keep talking about this idea that the rules are what separate us from the animals, but I kept thinking about the fact that you know n- nature is run by a set of laws. You know, we we colloquially call it the the law of the jungle, right? And really, I think what separates us from the animals is not our rules, you know, our instincts. Um, 
But I think really what separates us from the animals is grace, giving grace where it's not earned or, or deserved, right? And our our ability to um have that that has the ability to have empathy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, and I think that's what makes this story really really interesting is because there are people that are willing to break the rules for John specifically. And then John is willing to do that for others as well. And it's not just all about like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like there seems to be something else going on there too, especially in that story with John and Winston, where there's this really, it seems to be very deep relationship that they have. And it goes far beyond this this kind of consumeristic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what made this really fascinating as as a you know a, a third film where we're really kind of building into this universe continued questions about you know how all of this really works you know or could work in reality mm-hmm. if it was even possible um even though this movie is and this the series is very much a heightened sense of reality of course but there's also i think something about it which it mirrors our world in the sense this that we don't live in a world just based on law right, right. we do live in a world in which people are willing to give one another grace and to help one another out in ways in which they necessarily might not have earned. And so it just something that was very strange and interesting for this film. But I, I think it just helps make the series more complex because of that too which is another way in which i think it mirrors the world we live in like it's not just black and white right it's not just a world of rules Mm -hmm. well and i would even argue that it's also about not just rules but what separates us from the animals is the ability to reason you know i think that Mm -hmm. um complex thought if we think about you know the way that animals think it's pretty basic there's you know reproduce eat sleep yeah (laughs) um pretty much and uh you know with humanity there's so much more complexity there and you have to also be able to gauge whether or not you whether it's safe to give or to receive that grace because for example if you decide to to like i said like make yourself vulnerable to someone you're trusting that they're not going to then decide to stab you in the back (laughs) literally right Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, and that is definitely one of the things that I think is really, of course, interesting about this series is that have you have you been able to earn that trust or respect from somebody like you were mentioning earlier that would keep them from doing that to you, mm-hmm. especially when there's really not a reason for most people in this world to do that. I mean, you know, it's um, because this world is, is, it seems to be really built on the whole idea of, you know, people um, using each other of step zones. Uh, And so, yeah, I just, it was, it was, it was something that I was just really struck by uh, in the movie. And, you know, I I think it, it makes for a really interesting story because i think it does show that it 
there is an inability for us to live solely just by this idea of laws, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, because there's always this thing about humanity in which, you know, if you're a true human being, you you feel empathy towards others you feel sympathy towards others you you know you feel uh, a connection towards others that goes beyond just this idea of their uh their relationship under some sort of law mm-hmm. or rules so 100 percent um which is interesting because you know obviously the movie specifically uh points out many times uh, this idea of consequences and that everything that has hap- is happening in this movie is a re- is a reality because of the consequences of the actions that people have taken previously and you know i th- i thought that that was something that was really important because i would say sadly in our world we live in a place where people are trying to live consequence free. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the beauties of this film is that every character is having to deal with the consequences of their actions and then figure out a way forward because of them. Every single one, uh, all of our major characters, whether it's John, Sophia, Winston, uh, the Bowery King. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody here is having to try to make the best of the situation because of the consequences of their actions. Yeah, I love that they brought that back. And it, it because you do get the feeling from the second movie that the people like the Bowery King or Winston are somehow above the law, possibly because they're in a position of more power, clearly, where it's like almost like they make the rules. But you're learning that, no, even they are subject to the rules that are set by the high table. And that even they are now seeing those consequences that, yes, you were the rest of the time technically obeying the rules, but Winston gave him an hour instead of killing him on the spot or instead of immediately calling in the contract. And then, like you said, the Bowery King gave him a gun and gave him seven bullets. He didn't have to do that. And that was technically outside of the rules. And then even though he had the ticket and went to the director, she knew when he came to her that she shouldn't do it because he was already excommunicado and the ticket shouldn't be honored. But she did it anyway. And so it's like that little bit of goodness that it's almost like the high table's mission is to make people completely empty of any moral code. Yeah, other than the rules that they have laid down. Right. That you don't give grace to anyone. These are the rules. If you disobey them, this is what you get. Well, and it's it's interesting because... There, especially for John, there, and and the way in which people then react to him so many times, you know, the characters that we see, like Winston, the Bowery King, Sophia, specifically in this film, and and even others that we've seen throughout the series, right? Like, um, I I think of uh, the second movie, right, where he tells the security guard. That, you know, because they have this relationship, he tells them, hey, you know, you just might want to get out of here, you know, uh, and he gives him grace, right? He doesn't have to do that, but because of he he willingly chooses 
uh, grace because of the relational aspect that happens in these films um, and the relationship that these people end up having with each other, which creates this conundrum for them. You know, do I choose to follow the rules or do I face maybe consequences of having shown grace to somebody? And many times what I'm finding most interesting about watching these movies is that that grace that's been shown specifically by John uh, tends to pay off in his benefit later on because people feel like they're in his debt or feel Mm -hmm. about him in a way because of his nature. I mean, he's a cold-blooded killer, right? But at the same time, people feel about him uh, this sense that they, he deserves more than just, uh, the rules, which is, it's just a fascinating thing. And so, but I, I, again, I love that, you know, even John here in the film is willing to live with the consequences of his actions, the choices that he's made. Like, you know, he's, he's willing to live with the idea of having to go to the elder, you know, the man above the table, right. To, to, to plead his case, Mm -hmm to be able to be, you know, reinstituted. Um, and then, you know, the choices he's going to make after that. But I mean, again, you know, or, or Sophia, she's given the marker to John. She's willing to then deal with the consequences of, of the honor of honoring the marker, even though he's excommunicado. I like all of these things. I just, I, I think what's really interesting is this, being able to have this conversation. It just really shows that, They've thought through, I think, quite well this whole world and kind of how it works. But then because of that, they're able to then break those rules when they need to for these characters to really create this more dynamic and interesting story than would be if it was just so straightforward. Exactly. I love that they reiterate some rules as well and then also add some new ones for example when he goes and gets the book out of the library and it has a few things we haven't seen before um like the coin um that he's going to use especially to see the director and then also the uh cross on a rosary that's his ticket Mm -hmm. um you know he has a few new things and then of course also the adjudicator's coin is totally different than all the others. And I love the design of those. Um, although I do have a funny thing that I noticed. Um, I don't know if you thought about it actively, but the look of the coins and then also them using the the honor and words like parlay, I immediately thought of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's it's such a great poll because I was actually kind of thinking about that too. In 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 this world, we've been talking about all these rules and everything. It's just like, oh, there were like guidelines anyway, yeah, you know. And that's <laughs> that is in some ways the way in which we see people kind of deal with this, right? And in, in the sense that these rules that have been laid down by the high table that they don't always have to be followed. Uh, especially because these rules aren't necessarily taking into account the ideas of of relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and then the empathy you have because of those relationships or the sympathy you might have. And so, and that, and and again too, this is very much a society built on the letter of the law, 
Whereas because of relationship and everything, there are characters then that are willing to show grace to one another and it creates uh, a much more interesting story. And I think in the end, a much it becomes a much more human story, even though it's so strange because this movie is in this movie series is about a bunch of assassins. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the idea of that humanity being added in there, I think that creates something really, really interesting. And so um, on top of all of that, Christy, we're, we've talked a little bit about this uh, in some ways, but I mean, they really are continuing to, to add to the world of John Wick and these assassins further in this film by adding new things. One of them being like the adjudicators, which I thought was really interesting because that's something to which, you know, you have those bureaucrats, right? Mm-hmm. That are there to make sure that the rules are followed. And um, I I loved that character because she's so self-righteous and she's so sure of herself as if like nothing could happen to her or anything like that. And what do we get there is that, you know, she puts all of her hope and everything into the rule of law. And what we realize, it, you know, throughout this film is that, that there are there are people who are willing to put other things above the high table or the rule of law. Uh, and she's not quite ready for that yet. Yeah, I love all of the ways that Winston and John then end up sidestepping everything she's trying to put in place. Well, I mean, and even the Bowery King. I love that he stands his ground, plants himself like a tree, and he's like, the king will always live or something like that. (laughs) The king will live forever. Yeah, he's he's only mostly dead, you know, (laughs) after what happens. But his deaths, by the way, are, are... what we thought was a death at the time, probably uh, by seven cuts was so poetic. I don't know. I, I just thought that was cool. But yeah, I, I love how they brought her character in and introduced this whole new piece of the puzzle of, you know, she's the middleman between the high table and the assassins and that the managers of all of these continental hotels around the world still have to answer to someone. And that it's not right. just directly the high table because they've got too much going on for that. They send other people to do that. Um, but the way that she works is fascinating to me. And I love that then she, I guess, finally realizes as well that even she's not immune from being taken out. Because think about it. I mean, if John went in and killed one of the members of the high table, no one's immune. Right. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I thought that, that was a, a great addition because it, it does, I think, fit the idea of, of there being like an auditor or something like that in this, this universe it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes auditors, you know, uh, at all. Uh, but uh, I, the other thing that really struck me is, is, something I didn't quite expect, which is to have somebody over the high table, uh, this elder, this um, man who can make judgments beyond what the high table can do, almost like the Pope of assassins. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, he, there's, because, you know, you have your house of cardinals uh, in the Catholic Church, and then you have the Pope, mm-hmm. uh, and and the Pope is the final, final arbiter. 
Uh, and so the, I, I just, to me, I, I honestly didn't expect that until they brought it up in the film. And I remember seeing that for the first time and just being really struck by that. I really liked that as well. I like that they talk about how he is, it's not that he's necessarily directing what the high table does. It's more just that he is above it all in the sense of he's not bound by the rules. So mm-hmm. he would make a decision if there was something in question and then also has the ability to make his own rules, which is really cool. Um, although kind of creepy in the sense that, I mean, he basically thinks he's God. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I mean, that's a good point in the sense that like he is kind of the God of this this universe and, and that he can, you know whole cloth create new judgments that are not based on the rules and yet what i what i did find interesting is that they are somewhat based on the rules right because uh you know he's he's still binding john to uh, the the high table at the end he's going to be in their service which is a part of their it seems to be most likely their code, you know? And so to me, I think that's the, the it, it, there's so much here, I think with what they add into this film where it, it creates a lot of questions to which I'm hoping that we do get answers for. Um, and, you know, we add in the idea of deconsecrating a, a whole continental, mm-hmm. you know, because it's manager, decides it doesn't want to follow the rules, um, which was fascinating. And again, again, shows you the power of the high table. Um, And then, of course, you know, we're adding finally this understanding of John's history with the Russians Um, and, you know, knowing now that he was raised by them, like these other kids that we see there where they take them in and basically train them to live this life of of assassination which uh, you know it if if you think about it for any length of time it's ridiculous but at the same time you know in this world it just like seems to make sense yeah well and i mean that's kind of how we get the whole black widow story you know if you think about the marvel universe yeah so it's true it's not a hard stretch for the mind to make i think but then also they make it interesting because they never really before told us much about John's past aside from Mm -hmm. him getting out, finding Helen and then Helen dying and this whole starting up again thing. Um, So it was fascinating to hear that he had something before all of that and how he got into it in the first place. Yes. Um, Which again, I, I think, there still are questions as to, you know, how, what happened to John's family? You know, mm-hmm. what got them, you know, what happened to them that left him familyless, you know, like parentless? Uh, or was he uh, taken and, from and them? And an orphan. Or was, oh, there you go. Absolutely. I was thinking that too, you know. So I, I think it's, we just keep building things. And it does lead me to the question, and, I, you know, I, this might be an interesting time to ask it, but do you do you think that this series that it continues much past the fourth movie 
or do you feel like I don't know how how long do you feel like this series can go? It's interesting because obviously in some ways it does remind you of Bond films and you know that mm-hmm. he's very similar in a lot of ways to that but I also think that although they've been really good about finding a believable way to retell the same story and and add some new things I also don't want it to go on forever. You know, I think that eventually you do have to start answering some questions rather than answering some and adding more. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see where they would go next because of the new things they've introduced and seeing him possibly partnering up now with the Bowery King. But I also think that it could end up being watered down over time. And I don't want that. I don't know. How do you feel? No, I, I I like what you said there, and I, I do think that for me it's it's very similar in the sense that I don't think that this is a series that can go on forever. Part of that is just because, you know, it, this series is Keanu Reeves' series, and, you know, this is not a place where I want to see other people play the role. I don't think that other people would do it in the same way anyway. Just you can't – nobody's going to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah. But I also do think, like you said as well, and I 100% agree with you, is that this doesn't feel like a series that should just keep going on. Um, And part of that is that the age that Keanu is, there's only so long that he can even do this, I think, in the first place, legitimately. Uh, And then on top of that, the last thing you want to have this become is like, you know, I think of... The Rocky series and, uh, you know, just listening, John Mills uh, and his group were talking on House Lights about that series with the ones that Stallone had directed. And, and, you know, when you think about four and then them doing five and five is just an utter train wreck, you know, you don't want this series to get to that point. And I don't think the series has gotten there yet. And so just don't get there. Right. Find a good way to wrap it up, which is, you know. It's the same refrain as when we've talked about Stranger Things. It's like, you know, don't keep drawing things out to the point where you can't end it well. And so I just hope that they, they do that, is that they'll end it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we do have a new friend uh, with Halle Berry as Sophia. And, uh, you know, she's the manager now of the Continental Hotel in Casablanca. And so I'm interested to see... What did you think of her and her performance here? Because obviously, you know, I know neither of us loved her in Die Another Day. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we thought that that was just an awful, terrible role for her. Terrible performance. Didn't work at all. So I remember when I saw her being cast for this, I thought to myself, oh, please don't let this be another Die Another Day. (laughs) Uh, So I'm interested for you. Did that turn out to be the case here or did you enjoy uh Halle Berry in the role and think that she pulled it off well I was actually really impressed with her here because I think you get just enough and that she clearly had done some training on doing some of the moves and stuff um to be able to stand up to what John Wick is doing and not look ridiculous and you know be able to kind of hold her own in a fight and had the added benefit of bringing in the dogs, which was kind of a cool thing to throw in. Um, so, no, I was really um, pleasantly surprised with her in this movie. 
No, I, I agree with you. Um, I did not expect at all to to enjoy her in this role. And especially coming into it because of what we had seen uh, in the last time she did this type of role, you know, and I thought she was good. She was very good. I, I thought, you know, I loved her begrudging help of John because she can't fight the honor within herself uh, for what she, she knows she needs to do because of what John did for her and helping her daughter get to safety. And that, you know, she owes John for that. Right. Uh, and so no matter how she doesn't much, she doesn't want to, or how much trouble it's going to get her in with the high table, possibly, you know, she's willing to help him. And and I thought she did a really admirable job of it. I thought she also did a great job with uh, the, the fight choreography. She, she looked good, uh, you know, doing uh, all of that gung fu. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know she broke some ribs too, uh, in, uh, working on this role. And so I, I thought she was a very good addition to this world. And it makes me interested then to see, you know, is she going to return in part four? Uh, because it, it felt like there were interesting consequences for us to possibly see, you know, happen with her uh, and the fallout maybe. Or does she, does she maybe possibly join up with John and the Bowery King because of the position that she placed herself in in this last film and realized they're her, you know, last best hope at finding some sort of future so mm -hmm. i just there's a lot of interesting questions then that you end up with with her but yeah i thought she was good as well yeah and i i meant to say did you recognize i don't remember the actor's name but the guy that played her boss that's running like the treasury mm -hmm. of coins they use i don't know um yeah he was from, from game, game of, thrones. of thrones yeah Yep. Uh, He's also in uh, 1923 right now with uh, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. Oh, nice. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, and But no, he's he was excellent. Mm -hmm. He's very good at that type of role, uh, you know, especially playing a somewhat similar role that he did in Game of Thrones. Uh, so I, I enjoyed getting him to see him here. Um, but uh, yeah, he just didn't learn. Don't shoot the dog. Yeah. So. Well, and I thought his character brought something a little different, too, because he also kind of introduces the idea that even with the rules, that also maybe they can be bent depending on the price. That everything has a price. And so then he was saying, well, for helping you, then I get something of yours, like this dog. And she's like, what? No. <laughs> you know, and then that leads to the whole thing. But it's sort of the same way that they think of the marker, even though technically the marker represents another rule that they have. It also kind of can exist outside the rules because in this situation, Sophia helping him is going against the rules, but she does owe him from that marker. So it's like, which rule is the right one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's it's absolutely true. And, you know, I think with her and, you know, the... Uh, the person her over, the person over the, her there, uh, in Casablanca, you know, I I think what's interesting, and this whole series kind of plays that out is that everybody can be bought, 
just what is their price, Mm -hmm. you know, because that seems to be, you know, the biggest factor in everything. And, you know, because we even see that light with the adjudicator, you know, willing to be bought uh, there at the end or, 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 you know, bargain with Winston. Yeah. Um, And uh, so I, I think, to me, that's just really interesting because that's also, I think, a very human thing is to that every, I mean, that's the saying, everybody has their price. Right. Uh, you know, and so where are you, what is the level at which you're basically willing to sell your soul to the devil? Yes. To escape, you know, and so, or to live or get more money or you know any of those things which that's also been kind of a question throughout this series as well especially you know the second one uh where you saw santino who's willing to sell out his his sister kill her so he could have her seat at the high table Mm -hmm. right so i mean it it, i i think again this is a place where all of these movies are, are doing a pretty stinking good job of working together to create a very cohesive storyline and one that continues to kind of just add depth as you go through each film. And another reason that it's so good, I wanted to add on top of that, since you're talking about, you know, to what lengths will you go, you know, will you sell your soul? I love that basically it's like John's number one enemy in this movie is his friend is Winston. And that it comes down to the two of them having to stand there and talk and reason and decide what they're going to do because they're feeling compelled to do what the high table wants them to do. And Winston is basically laying himself on a platter and saying, kill me if you think you can do it. But at what cost? And then I love that he says that, like, you know, what what kind of person do you want to die as? Don't think about just the fact that you'll be living if you're empty. Well, I have uh, that's an interesting question that I have for you because I mean, are you left in this film of thinking that Winston is just an opportunist, or do you feel like that that he shot John there at the end because he knows John needs a getaway? And this is really the best opportunity for John to be able to get away, even though it could kill him. But like th- this is the only shot we have at this. Like or or it, do you feel like this is just this was just Winston trying to get what he can? I, I, I'm really interested to hear like if, if you feel like basically is Winston, quote unquote, a good guy or did we finally realize that maybe he's actually the bad guy? So at first I thought he had been bad the whole time and had deceived me um, because he decides to do that in the first place to say, well, then he's got to die and shoot him. And you're just like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 what? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. shocked. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, he would know that John is probably wearing a bulletproof vest and specifically Mm -hmm. shot him in the center of his torso and, Mm -hmm. and then knocked him off the balcony so it looked like he died but maybe he realized he could hurt him just enough to where it didn't kill him but it looked like he died so in my heart then i think he's still on john's side and trying to give him the option to get away okay yeah 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty good answer. In 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 many ways, I think uh, where I'm more inclined to land as well, uh, because it it did seem like to me that this was was this was Winston thinking to himself, okay, this is the only way for my friend to possibly escape here with his life. And even though it's not the world's best possibility that he's not going to die falling off this thing, which let's be honest, John should be dead. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's the same thing when uh, this happened in Black Widow, too, where she falls at an incredible height, hits a bunch of things on the way down and, and lands on her feet, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I this does feel like Winston getting what he wants out of this and at the same time also getting another thing that he wants which you know he keeps protecting John in these weird ways so to me that I think I land exactly where you do this is his way of protecting John even though um he's hurting him <laughs> exactly exactly yeah um I, yeah, this hurts me much more than it hurts you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, and I mean, Sophia even kind of does the same thing. He's like, are you trying to kill me? And she's like, no, I shot you. I didn't kill you. <laughs> it just yeah, hurts a yeah. lot. You're not dead. It's fine. So there are a lot of fights in this movie. And, and you know, we've got fight scenes with knives and swords and horses and dogs and guns. And so I wanted to to ask you is that this series is obviously built around all of these fights. Did you feel like they did a good job in creating new fights that still made you interested in, in watching them? Or did you feel like any of the fight scenes like, oh, maybe we don't need another fight scene? The only one I kind of felt that way about was once um, he and Sophia left dealing with the um, boss that shot her dog it felt like that scene in Casablanca went on a little too long and it was like, we're just going to have a fight scene that's the same as the cave, but not in a cave. It's in Morocco, you know? Um, but otherwise I felt like they added some new backdrops for the fights and some new ways of fighting that kept it interesting. Um, for example, I noticed in the entire fight scene in the stable, for one, it made sense because it was, carriage rides like through the park in a big city which atlanta has and i'm sure you know your city has as well so yeah, new york's got yeah. it uh, the, most of the huge major cities tend to have that kind so of it's thing. like that's not unreasonable to be there and then also that john has this heart to him because he never lets anyone shoot the horses and he doesn't do that you know they could have made it totally brutal and had the guys shooting the horses in the legs to try and get to john but they didn't do that because that's something that john wouldn't stand stand for either because part of this is about someone killing his dog he he doesn't kill animals john's not that kind of person and so i like that element to it too and then adding in the kung fu element i have to say i was thrilled with the addition of zero who is the kung fu sword master who I don't know if you've ever watched Food Network, is the chairman on Iron Chef. <laughs> okay, that's I did not know but that. But apparently in real life has won lots of competitions for like nine years doing uh, martial arts. So I didn't realize that until I looked this up, but I thought it was really cool because I like him already. Um, and he was so cool here. 
And I thought it was so funny that they played him up as a, a big fan of John. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, let me catch my breath. I'll catch up to you. Yeah, no, you won't. Uh, no, I, I think I think you did pinpoint the one fight that did feel not as exciting as the others, which was that one in Casablanca. I think, you know, the one with the horses was great. The one, you know, I mean, that fight also has where he runs into the antique shop and they're throwing all those antique knives at one another yeah. and he has to, you know, remake that gun and like there's all that stuff there. Uh, and like you mentioned that the, the fight there in the continental, they've created this, you know, the continental is such a beautiful work of timeless classic in so many areas of it. And then you have that ultra modern room there, um, where it's all glass where, you know, people can then see who's carrying what and all that stuff. But then it also creates all these, you know, it's very reminiscent of what happened in Skyfall, mm-hmm. um, where there's that fight uh, in the high-rise building, and there's it's at night, and there's all these shadows and uh, you know neon lights and everything that create all these interesting looks. So, no, I, I thought for the most part that they continued to do the fight scenes well. You know, again having uh, even like a horse chase, you know, you just don't expect that. I thought that stuff was was great. So, no, I'm I'm with you. I, I thought. Overall, you know, they they continue to to create scenes which are memorable that kind of legitimize you coming back to a John Wick 3 because, you know, we're all here for, in many ways, because of these type of scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I thought they did a great job on that. And I'm glad you mentioned, too, about the antique warehouse or shop um, because they also show some new skills that Keanu has learned in order to do the role even better. And that's building a gun from nothing. He took one up two guns apart and then put them together into a new gun that had pieces of both, (laughs) which I don't know if that's actually possible, but Mm -hmm. for someone to build a gun from parts is very, um, difficult work and it's something that people have to learn over time and you have to understand everything about how they work and how the particular model works so that was cool yes no i 100 percent agree with you and one of the things too is just i think it is pretty impressive to me you know just how proficient keanu looks with these weapons and the hard work that he puts in here is pretty astounding because it looks effortless for him and it looks like he knows what he's doing in a way that I don't think, you know, every actor looks like when they're doing these type of things. And again, he just looks like a professional, which is that's exactly what he's going for. And that's what these films are going for, uh, which is also important because, you know, in the world in which they've created these assassins to be the best, you would need to be that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I think that he just does such a good job. Um, and, you know, every time I watch these movies, I'm, I'm struck by that. And so um, obviously 
we talked a little bit about the idea of how many movies we'd want, but we do know we're getting a fourth movie and we're set up for that fourth movie with John being delivered to the Bowery King and them basically, they're going to join forces now and they're going to go against the high table. Um, so are you excited then to kind of see that? And, uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about how many we'd want, but do you feel like this would be a good place to then maybe have the finale? Yes, I am excited about it. And I kind of hope that they answer the remaining questions and end it with this one, because I feel like it would be a very natural conclusion and go out on a high note. Um, but you know, fingers crossed, I don't obviously fully know, but it's funny because it obviously gives everybody matrix vibes because Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne are back together. Um, and then too, they've got motivation to do this. And I also love the wordplay where they're talking about things that are done under the table, (laughs) um, you know, and that there's a lot of connotation along with that of that maybe that's actually not a bad thing that maybe the people doing things under the table in this world are actually the quote unquote good guys or at least not the worst guys. <laughs> so I'm excited. No, I, I think those are some, some great observations and, and very good kind of questions kind of coming into that, that fourth film. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm definitely ready and excited for the fourth movie, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, and I think, like you, they've they've created a lot of interesting questions. And so my my hope is is that this, if this isn't the last one, I hope a fifth one is the last one, mm-hmm. and that instead of raising more questions, we're we're on that trend now to begin answering the questions that this series has raised, and so create an end to the series which allows viewers to have gone on a full journey and that allows us to feel comfortable with where we end up, you know, mm-hmm. so that we don't end at a place where, well, that just uh, now that I'm thinking about it, what happened, you know, and what did this, you know, that's not what we want with this type of series. I think, I think it does deserve a, a good ending. What that is and, and, you know, if it comes in a fourth movie or maybe a fifth, I I, I I just hope that we kind of wrap up the major questions of the series uh, and don't leave too many, you know, dangling threads. And so, mm-hmm. Chrissy, what would you rate then John Wick 3 Parabellum? I would give it four and a half out of five. Um sad doves because you just need them to look away um (laughs) just kidding i just thought that was funny um because you know there's very few little nitpicks that i had i I still don't think it's a perfect movie so i'm giving it a little less but um it's almost there i mean it's always got that natural cadence of things being uh, moving very quickly that I think keeps your interest throughout the whole movie. It's not something where you would want to pause much because then you might miss something. And like you were saying, you know, they really keep it within the the world that they've created of 
these are the rules primarily, even though we're introducing a few little new things. These are the familiar things that we're going to keep bringing back. And the beauty of that world, I think, is going back to the New York Continental over and over again, because it's just got that really cool design of being, you know, almost like roaring 20s. Um, but then also combined with some Gothic architecture and neat lighting. And even in, you know, the fight scene where the adjudicators people come in to fight John Wick, I love the way that they then change it. So it's almost like a strobe light, but it's not the entire time. It's just a little flicker. It adds so much more to the fight scene just with the lighting. So yeah, I'm really impressed. I enjoyed it. Can't wait for the next one. What about you? I I couldn't give this a four, uh, and I'm not quite sure why, but it just didn't feel as good, maybe. But I still give it a three and a half out of five. You know, this is such a, a it's such a solid film, and and for the fact that in a lot of ways, you know, we're not we're not reinventing the John Wick wheel here, but at the same time. I think for the most part, the, the things that we kind of come into this movie were the fight scenes and everything, uh, and the fact that we're able to create something that feels different enough that I'm enjoying it, and, and I'm enjoying like what we talked about, some of the thematic elements we've got there, and just the new things that we're kind of adding to this universe. You know, that's all really good, and you know, that's what you kind of want, I think, by the time you're getting to a third film in a series. So, three and a half out of five for me, but. Christy, it is time for our recommendations, our first recommendations of 2023. So what do you want to recommend to everybody this week? Well, surprisingly enough, I have been reading some new books again. Thankfully, I uh, got out of it for a little while, but I've put the remote down and I'm reading some books. So I'm going to recommend actually one that I got myself for Christmas and it's the signature art of Brian Stelfreeze. And if you've never seen his work, he is a master of color theory. And he's also someone that was educated in classical art and then took that and used it in the comic industry. So definitely love his stuff have always wished i could have a stelfreeze original piece in our home um but this will have to do for now and it's like a 12 by 12 full color very book cool. of his some of his best pieces so highly recommend checking out the signature art of brian stelfreeze that's awesome i i love great art books like that that you know celebrate specific artists or you know the art of books you know for shows and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to recommend to everybody, I've been uh, diving into uh, the Walt Longmire mystery books uh, and been having a really good time reading those. Um, that's what the show Longmire is based off, which you can find on Netflix, which is a phenomenal show. But the books are their own thing and different in some ways, and that's a good thing. Um, and really enjoying them. I just finished the fifth book today, and so a lot of fun. And I, if you're looking for fun, quick reads, great, great series so far. Uh, and, you know, I think we're both going to recommend go check out our Patreon Best of 2022 episode. We had a great time doing that. Um, you know, I hope that everybody really, really enjoy that. Um, we had a blast recording it and we're going to have more coming for you on Patreon. So make sure that you are subscribed there. But Christy, 
where can everybody find you when you're not hanging out in the 602 Club? Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And, of course, I had my finished show called Sabres and Spells with Amanda and Teresa over on Skywalking Through Neverland's network. And, uh, of course, you could find me all over the place uh, under the name MattRushing02, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero. Uh, when I'm not here in the 602 Club on the network doing literary treks about the books in the compass of Star Trek, The Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise, Saddle Up about Strange New Worlds, and the Artificial Tango about Star Trek Picard, which... We've got the final season coming out here in February, and we're going to be back talking about the series. Chris Jones, and I can't wait. But as always, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back. Now you're here. (laughs) 